Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Searching for answers at a former boarding school on the Pine Ridge Reservation generates further questions and concerns in a new podcast by Illuminative. With a backdrop of investigations and listening sessions by the Department of Interior, producers zero in on the former Red Cloud Indian Boarding School to amplify the trauma and strife involved in uncovering difficult questions. We'll talk with those involved in the podcast, American Genocide, right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. A new federal grant program has made up to $50 million available to tribes to support harvesting, processing, and packaging indigenous meats like salmon, moose, and caribou in Alaska. As KDLG's Izzy Ross reports, tribes across the country can now apply for the funding. Over the past two years, the federal government has worked with tribes to find ways to help support indigenous food gathering traditions. Julia Anelica with the U.S. Department of Agriculture says the result of that process was the Indigenous Animals Harvesting and Meat Processing Grant. It was really out of this consultation, especially as we were moving out of the pandemic and seeing the worries that a lot of tribes have uh, for food security and food sovereignty that informed this program. The grant is part of the USDA's Indigenous Food Sovereignty Initiative which began in 2021. The initiative works with organizations that serve tribes to get indigenous perspectives on how to improve federal food programs. The grant doesn't set limits on the amount of money tribes can apply for, but there are a few restrictions. Projects must involve indigenous animals and meat processing activities and can't be used to buy land, meat, or animals. Still, Anelica says, the program is designed with tribal governments in mind. There is just so much flexibility within this money. It can be something from like a four-wheeler to move animals to an entire distribution center. Uh, It really, really depends on what the tribe's needs are. Grants are available for tribes across the country. And Anelica says there's a good chance tribes in Alaska could tap into a large portion of what's available. The mid-July deadline is in the middle of summer fishing and harvesting already a busy time in Alaska. It's unfortunate that the window falls during this time frame from now until July 19th, but this could be the only time. So I really, really encourage everybody who can apply for this to do so. Anelica says anyone interested in applying should reach out with questions. I'm Izzy Ross. Killers of the Flower Moon premiered over the weekend at the Cannes Film Festival. The film's directed by Martin Scorsese, based on a best-selling book about the Osage Nation and oil. In the 1920s, after oil is found on Osage land, Osage people are killed and the FBI investigates. The Osage News reports at the end of the film premiere in France, there was a nine-minute standing ovation from the audience for the director and actors, which include Lily Gladstone, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Robert De Niro. During a press conference, conference at the film festival, Chief of the Osage Nation, Jeffrey Standing Bear says, the tribe expressed they wanted to make sure they did not lose their voice in the story. Early on, I asked Mr. Scorsese, how are you going to approach the story? 
And he said, I'm going to tell a story about trust, trust on, between Molly and Ernest, trust between the outside world and the Osage, and a betrayal of those trusts, deep betrayal. And uh, my people uh, suffered greatly, and to this day, to this very day, uh, those effects are with us. But I can say, on behalf of the Osage, Marty Scorsese and his team have restored trust. Chief Standing Bear says Osage people were extras in the film and were behind the camera. They also made costumes, and the Osage language is featured in the film. Killers of the Flower Moon is scheduled to be released in theaters in October. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the American Indian College Fund, providing millions of dollars of scholarships to Native students every year. Applications are accepted through May 31st at collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. Support by Vision Maker Media, currently seeking two digital media specialists and a director of project productions and services. Information on required qualifications and how to apply at visionmakermedia.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. A new podcast by Illuminative is part murder mystery and part cultural clash on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. American Genocide takes listeners into the heart of the efforts to try and uncover the truth about the boarding school era in the United States. Along the way, it uncovers questions about who should be in control of that truth. The podcast by Illuminative focuses on events as they unfold at the Red Cloud Indian School in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. Here's the trailer. Holland, Secretary of the Interior, and proud citizen of the Pueblo of Laguna. For more than a century, tens of thousands of indigenous children were taken from their communities and forced into boarding schools run by the U.S. government and religious institutions. Many children never made it back to their homes. On the Pine Ridge Reservation, a former Catholic Indian boarding school is preparing to search its grounds for the mass graves of former students. Two investigators, one a dedicated activist and the other an investigative journalist, head to the reservation to interview school staff. The narrative out there from some of our naysayers is that this is a crime scene with no evidence of that whatsoever. But when they speak to boarding school survivors and their descendants who still bear the burden of that time, a dark truth comes to light. We were beaten regularly. Razor straps. I know my grandpa's trauma was passed down to my mom, and my mom passed that trauma down to me. Tell them about genocide. Use that word genocide. There are a lot of cemeteries already. They're going to find a lot more. We have the two hosts of the podcast with us today, and we'll hear more about how boarding school reconciliation elicits different responses to all those connected to the school. Hope you'll join the conversation, especially our listeners up in Pine Ridge. Please tell us. What does boarding school reconciliation mean to you? Our number, 1-800-996-2848.
That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us now from Portland, Oregon, is Lachey Wesley. She's the Director of Communications and Storytelling for Illuminative and co-host of the American Genocide Podcast. She's from the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. Lachey, welcome to Native America Calling. Thank you so much for having me. Joining us also from Temecula, California, is Crystal Echohawk. She's the founder and executive director of Illuminative and co-host of the American Genocide Podcast. She's from the Pawnee Nation of Oklahoma. Crystal, welcome back to Native America Calling. Thanks so much for having us. It's wonderful to have both of you on the show today. And Crystal, I want to start with you. What first drew you and Lachey to the Red Cloud School as a setting for your podcast? Well, you know, we received a tip um, back in, I think, towards, you know, the early fall of 2021. And as most folks will recall, you know, Secretary Holland had announced at NCI Midyear uh, in June 2021, right after the news broke in Canada about the graves that they were starting to find, uh, that, that she would be launching her own investigation. So I think once we knew that Secretary Holland was going to be leading this investigation, we knew it was a story we wanted to cover. But then we received a tip, you know, um, kind of September, October of 21 from a colleague of mine who used to fund um, through the foundation he worked for the Red Cloud Indian School. And very specifically, the his previous employer had funded the Truth and Healing Initiative. And so when I spoke to him about it, he just said it was a really interesting story, one, because funding the school, you know, and the school essentially leading this Truth and Healing rec- uh, Initiative on its own and essentially investigating itself really created some interesting dynamics um, and also that there was a little bit, there was dissension in the community about it. So just as we began to learn more and more, it just seemed like, um, you know, an important and interesting story to follow. Crystal, much of the action in the podcast took place about a year ago in May of 2022. And what were your expectations going into this project and how did that change over time? I think in terms of my expectations, I knew that this was going to be um, a difficult uh, story, right? You know, I think for, you know, my grandfather was a survivor of the Pawnee Industrial Boarding School. So I think I went in, um, you know, just really thinking about that, being very conscious of, um, you know, these are very difficult stories and the trauma that our our elders and our relatives went through uh, was, you know, so horrifying, right, for many um, but I think as we began to go in, I, I understood pretty early on as Lachey and I did pre-interviews um, before we ever went out there to record that there were um, a lot of different uh, community dynamics and a lot of, you know, differing opinions about what was happening, what should be done. Uh, so I think we were prepared to kind of just try to go in and, and listen to all sides of the story and, and to try to keep an open mind. The American Genocide Podcast sheds light on the controversy surrounding the Red Cloud Indian School when it was a boarding school. Let's hear now from Eleanor, a member of the International Indigenous Youth Council, Oglala Lakota Chapter. I knew my grandparents were in boarding schools and stuff, but as a kid, I didn't really think about stuff like that. Then it all hit me at once. Like, this is really, like, you know, that this happened and I didn't even, you know, pay attention to it. And, like... Some of my grandparents and their brothers and sisters talked about how their traumas affected them, which ultimately affected our parents. And then that trauma, you know, our parents' trauma eventually affected us. It does make people uncomfortable. And I don't know if they know that that's what they're doing. I think they feel like they're doing a good thing. 
and that that's very maybe inspiring and hopeful for them. I don't know if they know that it hurts others, but I think hurt people hurt people. That's Makah Black Elk, the face of the school's Truth and Healing Initiative. To say his relationship with the Youth Council is strained would be an understatement. On this very sensitive issue, they are the loudest opposing voices. A lot of it can be traced back to their activity on the internet. They've been incredibly dishonest and, you know, they, they published uh, on Facebook way back in October, September, um, this like these like facts about Red Cloud and that they came, they had like this statistic that from 1880 till 1970, 90% of students were sexually abused. And like that's not they never they made that number up. One of the Holy Rosary Mission staff, they were looking at her Facebook and they found an article talking about how residential boarding schools were are basically concentration camps. They've been a source of of fear. Um, because I'm trying to do the actual work. I'm not on social media posing for pictures and, you know, making a social media campaign that riles up energy and fear. I'm trying to make our record, records accessible, get them out into people's hands, scan our grounds as best we can, you know, get to gather testimony from people, make sure that that is known, make sure that, you know, I'm doing, I'm, committed to this work and making it happen. That was a snippet from episode two of the American Genocide podcast. We're talking with Crystal Echohawk now, one of the hosts. And Crystal, it's obvious here that there are two very, very opposing sides in this issue with the Red Cloud School. Um, how hard did you work to, to make sure that the podcast had those balanced perspectives with people from both sides of the issue? Yeah, I think, you know, Renee and I worked really hard um, to make sure that there were, you know, balanced sides. I mean, I think that was always an, an important thing. And, you know, I think even since we've been in, in production, you know, as, as some of the folks, um, you know, that we interviewed reached out, you know, I think everybody's concerned, like, how is this going to turn out? How do we come out and sound? And I think, you know, um, we've received, you know, some feedback, you know, from one of our interviewees that they were really grateful right, for how they were represented. And, and I think they also noted that it was kind of tough because they're hearing all, all sides of it. Um, and so that was really, really important to us that we weren't gonna come in and try to sensationalize one side versus the other. Um, and that we, you know, we, we interviewed so many people. I think we have more than 20 hours um, worth of interviews on tape. You know, we really spent a lot of time talking to a lot of people um, across the community and within the school. The boarding school issues right now with regard to awareness and reconciliation, I mean, this is such a hot topic now, not only in the U.S., but of course, Canada as well. Um, how do you think Red Cloud exemplifies what is going on with regard to this issue in other communities across the country? And, and is Pine Ridge unique in that regard? You know, I think in terms of what it exemplifies, you know, I think one of the things that's fortunate for Red Cloud, and I, I don't mean this in any other way, you know, but I think that they were able to garner some resources, right, um, from, from foundations, from donors to really help them staff this initiative, right? And I think because it's expensive to do this kind of research where you're diving into historical archives or 
you know, contracting a, a Marshall, Marshall Small to do the ground penetrating radar investigation. These are, these are expensive to do, you know, these types of investigations to find out what happened to our, our relatives, right? And I know when Lachey and I sat in a tribal consultation with um, the Department of Interior back in the fall of 2021, a number of tribal leaders had voiced concern that they didn't have the resources to do this. So I think what exemplifies this to kind of go back is that I think there were some resources that allowed for the school to be able to do this truth and reconciliation work. And I think I, you know, I'm curious if, if other, you know, tribes and native communities, you know, are, are able to garner similar resources to do this kind of investigation. And I think that's really one important thing is we look at overall the boarding school investigation across Indian country is we need to make sure that tribes and tribal communities are resourced to do the work, right? Which is not easy work. Um, and it's not work that's done overnight. Um, so I think that's one, um, one thing that kind of stands out for me when I think about Red Cloud. Today, we're talking with Crystal Echohawk and Lachey Wesley. They're the co-hosts of this new podcast, American Genocide. We're learning all about the details today on our show about uh, an event that occurred there at the Red Cloud Indian School about a year ago. And ground-penetrating radar factors prominently into this series, and we're going to learn more about uh, how that plays into this podcast. But we do have to take a short break now. Sure would like to get some calls going today, folks. Anybody up there in Pine Ridge, if you're associated, if you're affiliated with the Red Cloud School in any way, maybe a former student, maybe a current student, or a parent or a grandparent of a student, give us a call. Phone lines are open, 1-800-996-2848. I'll say it again, one 800 9962848 Pine Ridge South Dakota I'm talking to you Among the actions that followed the federal government's decision to eliminate tribes in the southeast United States was the Treaty of New Echota in addition for setting the stage for the Trail of Tears it made several promises to the Cherokee Nation We'll hear about the push to now get the government to deliver on those promises that's on the next Native America Calling OCO, you look after everyone else. Look after yourself, too. Check out these health care resources for women and at all stages of life. For more information, visit go.cms.gov slash women's health checklist. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking with the creators of the American Genocide podcast by Illuminative. It focuses on the reconciliation work happening at the Red Cloud Indian School in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. If you're listening on Keeley or KLND in South Dakota, we'd love to get your perspective on today's topic. Also, do you want to make a note that we reached out to the Red Cloud School and others who might provide a different perspective on the podcast today, but none could be on today's show. Guests today are Crystal Echohawk and Lachey Wesley, and I'd like to pivot now to Lachey. And Lachey, uh, tell us a little bit more about how you and, and Crystal came to work together on this new project, this Indigenous uh, podcast series, American Genocide. Yeah, of course. I think, you know, I think I think about uh, 
2021 um, when we were hearing all of the news out of Canada. And it was, as you mentioned, kind of becoming a hot topic, something that people were talking about more about the residential schools in Canada, but then also about the boarding schools here in the United States. And I think it was in November that Crystal pulled me aside and she was like, I wanna do something, some kind of um, storytelling project to bring attention to what happened um, here in the United States. And the whole idea behind this is to just tell the story about boarding schools within the United States make it a really easy, something that people can understand, even if they are not aware of this issue. You know, it's very much targeted both for natives, but also non-natives who are learning about this. And then to hopefully, as much as we can, tell the story about, you know, one community and show how all of these communities across the U.S., all of these, all across Turtle Island, how all of native communities are dealing with this boarding school history. So our hope is to tell this story about one community who's kind of, um, you know, having this very complex, uh, you know, relationship nowadays with uh, a former boarding school and tell that to as wide of an audience as we can and hopefully educate folks and spur them to some kind of action um, so that we can start to see justice, accountability, and then healing around boarding schools. Lachey, there are currently five episodes that are available to stream, and I know that the sixth episode, that's going to drop Wednesday, and I don't want to give away a spoiler here, but at the end of this podcast, it could go one of two basic directions, and, and we're going to have to wait yet to get the conclusions, but there has been a lot of reporting by both Native press and mainstream press about, about this issue there at the Red Cloud Indian School. And how does that reporting and just some of the overall attention to this topic, because it does date back a year, how does that factor into how you and Crystal presented the information in the podcast series? Well, I think, you know, in some ways, you know, the, the story does talk about um, what, we, what we were there in May for on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, which was uh, a GPR demonstration. Um, but it also, I think, is, is a story about more than just the GPR uh, survey. To me, it's a story about this native community over you know, more than a year and how everyone is kind of coming to terms with this uh, truth and healing initiative that Red Cloud Indian School is embarking on. Um, it's something that they've been working on for several years. Um, and you know, the May event in some ways is, is one component of that. But I think the story largely is about just how within a year's time, how has the community of Pine Ridge responded to that ground penetrating radar survey? How have they um, just been feeling about the overall truth and healing initiative? But then also more broadly, I think it also ties into all of the things that we have seen across the year, which is with you know the Pope going up to Canada with the Vatican, you know, talking about the doctrine of discovery. So in some ways, you know, it ties um, all of the things that we've seen over the past years with boarding schools um, into this story and tells, tells kind of an evolution of, of how people in the community have been responding to this. The whole podcast builds up to a ground-penetrating radar scanning in the basement of the school by Marcia Small, who is 
a Native American ground-penetrating radar specialist. Here's a clip from episode four and how everyone decided to zero in on the basement. The answer isn't more of the colonizer oppressive systems. The answer is more investment into our traditional life ways, like our language, like our food sovereignty. So, you know, with the community we're building here at Thunder Valley, that it's um, an example to others of what's possible. It's not, I don't, we don't mean it to be a blueprint for everyone to follow. So everyone has to write their own story, but that we are as close as possible to how our ancestors lived and interacted one another, that we are able to truly shed those influences of colonization. Um, that includes Christian influences, right? That, that would have no part of our communities that we could drive through uh, this land base and not see a church. That, that's a part of my liberation dream, um, is that the church is not here and that it's all um, based on who we are as Lakota people. That's exactly what I wanted to ask you about is the influence of Christianity in this area on this community and how that balances with the traditional teachings. It's good timing with this interview. I think with all of the chaos that's happening right now around the churches and it's really hard to hold them accountable in our communities because they have people protecting them. There are members of our own community, elders in our own community, fluent speakers in our own community that are staunch advocates of the church that will literally tell the Jesuits, don't leave, we need you. We've become so out of balance and power hungry that we've become the facsimile white people. And so how do we truly reclaim our identity to live in balance? And, and I'm a complete advocate for reparations. What kind of reparations? Removing the Jesuits from the community and money. Tatewi is ironically similar to Tashina Banks' Rama. Despite sitting on opposite sides of the table, they are eye to eye on some of the most explosive issues. Here's Tashina. Let me know if this sounds familiar. The conversation we need to get to is reparations. Um, what does reparations look like? Is it money? Absolutely, it's money, but it's also other things, spiritual health, mental health, um, wellness, physical health. I mean, there are so many um, pieces to reparations that need to be talked about. Would you like to see that from the Catholic Church? Absolutely. Yep. And the federal government. Absolutely. Yep. Folks, I do apologize. The clip you just heard is not actually Marcia Small, the ground-penetrating radar specialist. The clip is actually uh, a conversation with two strong advocates who stand on opposing sides of the Red Cloud School. It was Tatewi Means, Executive Director of Thunder Valley Community Development Corporation, and also Tashina Banks-Rama, Vice President of Red Cloud Indian School. So I do apologize for that. And I, Lachey, I want to ask you, though, because uh, that was an interesting conversation. Here you have the daughters of these two iconic Native American activists. And in this case, they're actually on, on different sides of the issue, one very supportive of the school, the other not. So I can't under, underscore the significance of just uh, the opposing views here. So I want to ask you, Lachey, what's your hope, you and Crystal, uh, with regard to this podcast series in terms of just helping to provide some sort of, of closure or balance or just understanding for the Pine Ridge community who is obviously so divided on this topic? What do you hope that the podcast accomplishes in that regard? Yeah, 
You know, I think number one, I think coming out of this, I think we have so much gratitude for every single person, you know, that we spoke to. We spoke with so many incredible people, you know, it's from youth activists to, you know, elders and boarding school survivors. And as you heard here, like two incredible women who are just incredible leaders in their community. Um, and I think, you know, most of all, you know, I think overwhelmingly what I hope comes out of this podcast, and especially for that community, is I just, I want to see the rest of the world sort of wake up to this boarding school issue. And I want to see some kind of justice and accountability because you'll hear in the podcast, like there are clear solutions that community leaders have, which they talked about in that clip reparations, land back, you know, things that can really help the community. And I hope ultimately that's what we start to see in that community. Interesting, Lachey. Let's go ahead now and listen to the other clip that we, we tried to play earlier. And this is Marsha Small, ground penetrating radar specialist, uh, regarding a scanning that took place in the basement of the Red Cloud Indian School. This is probably off topic, but Marsha Small said that she went into the basement. They're going to be searching on Saturday. And she said that when she went in there, um, she went into this back room. She was fine, like going down the hallway, but she went into this back room and she got goosebumps. Marsha Small is more than just a scientist. She considers this really to be a calling. She's the one who will survey parts of Red Cloud School and tell us if there is anything underground. And she said that she called upon her ancestors before she went down there. And she said usually when she does this type of work, she um, she does that so that they could notify her if they feel something in that room. So she said automatically she walked in there and her goosebumps were really, really like strong. And it, she said she couldn't be in there that long because the energy was really negative and so, yeah, she told us about that and see, she said there's definitely something in there, Aaron. So Saturday we'll find out. The same area was mentioned to us by Macaw Black Elk. You know, the person who gave that testimony said that when they were here, I think it was back in the 90s, that they saw in the basement what looked like two, um, I believe two, um, mounds of dirt that they felt looked like graves. And so, that's all that they knew and felt that it was important to communicate that. There's pressure from members of the community to look here. According to reports, there is testimony from a former worker who witnessed three graves in the dirt underneath the old mission building known as Drexel Hall. Since then, the dirt floor has been covered in concrete. And that's something we took very seriously and that's why it's being scanned. Um, and so it's really important that um, that does get scanned and whatever we can learn from that, that there's efforts after that to figure out what, you know, what that was, if anything, it might be nothing. Ooh, okay, so this is where the American Genocide podcast really takes a suspenseful tone. And I, I wanna go ahead and pivot back now to Crystal. And Crystal, what I found interesting is with regard to Marsha Small, she's Northern Cheyenne, 
And that is one person that everybody agreed on, regardless of what side of the issue uh, your interviewees were on. Everybody agreed that Marsha Small was credible and she was the right person to go into that school and do that ground penetrating radar. And at one point, she also talks about her machine, I guess, looks kind of like a lawnmower. And I got kind of a kick out of that. But tell me more about this whole ground penetrating radar, because it's such a big issue uh, with regard to residential schools up in Canada and schools down here in the U.S. as well. What did you and Lachey learn about that technology? Yeah, well, I think, you know, first and foremost is I think you just can't highlight enough how much both sides, to your point, really trusted Marsha, right? She's just really an extraordinary person and personality that, you know, as you listen, you really hear, you know, hear her commitment to finding as she talks about the lost and, and the stolen children, right? Um, so it's incredible technology. It Yes, it does look like a lawnmower, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, it does something very important. And, you know, I think what you know, why Marsha was there on the very first day um, is actually to do a demonstration for the community. And that's something that Red Cloud had organized um, to really, you know, I think this was their commitment to transparency around their process and their initiative was to invite the community in. Marsha and her colleagues, you know, in the gymnasium there at Red Cloud really describe the technology, right, in the way that's able to, you know, look underground, um, you know, and it's not, it's not perfect science. It's not perfect technology. Right. But it's really the, the, um, the one way, right. In which, you know, researchers have used to find things such as, you know, unmarked graves and burials. Um, so I thought that that was, you know, important that they were trying to educate the community. Uh, they also had some community volunteers, including one of the Lakota youth council members, um, that helped to do that demonstration on the very first day and start to learn about the technology. And that, community demonstration um, preceded them actually going in and doing a more private um, investigation in the basement of Red Cloud. And that investigation in the basement, we're going to have to wait for that. That's going right? to, right? That's right. That's episode okay. six. <laughs> All right. Okay. Definitely cliffhanger there. We've got a caller on the line right now and a caller from Pine Ridge, South Dakota, who is listening right now on Keeley. And this is a, a frequent caller to Native America calling. His name is Chanupa. Hello, Chanupa. Thank you for calling in today. Hey, good afternoon, Sean, and to the rest of the audience. And thank you guys for looking at this model. What I want to contribute to you all because of what happens here on Pine Ridge, my younger sister, my baby sister, Carmen Faith Martin, went to school in Red Cloud. And my grandmother, my late grandmother, Cecilia Martin, she worked in the laundry department. And these kind of things which you're all talking about, from past presence, issues of death and abuse, hey, that's still going on here in Pine Ridge. A while back, maybe about five, six, seven months ago, Steve uh, Puyo and him asked me to step in to help demonstrate an issue against the kids because of a drug paraphernalia on a bus, which wasn't true. It wasn't true. And I had to make the state... Um, Patrol officer, we had to lock the door and stop him from leaving him and the other two and make him admit, well, yeah, you're right. We didn't find anything, but that's not taking suspicion isn't the key. No, no. It's this type of behavior that happens in the schools. And the Red Cloud Indian School is not the only one. There's one up in Oregon, Tamawa, the young Jenny Manyhide. She worked up there. She's seen that kind of experience. And even when I was in Rito Kitchen with a lot of my brothers, 
Better Okay, Chanupa, I'm, I'm so sorry, Chanupa. It sounds like you're driving, and we're just having a really hard time getting good audio from you. So I'm sorry, Chanupa. We are going to have to, to move on. But uh, I, I did note you mentioned your younger sister was a student at Red Cloud, and then your grandmother worked there. And uh, Chanupa, yeah, yeah, I mean, he mentions these other schools. And, and I want to go back to, to Crystal because uh, he, he says that there's still a lot of bad things that are happening to kids on the Pine Ridge Reservation. I think that was really the, the underlying tone of what our, our caller just expressed. And, and I want to ask you, because I know at one point, one of the, the, the boarding school, or excuse me, the Red Cloud School employees says, look, there's also uh, a federally run, there was a school that was federally run there on the Pine Ridge Reservation. It's also It was also a boarding school. How come protesters aren't targeting that school? How come they're not interested in what happened at that school? They're focusing on Red Cloud. What's, what's your response to, to questions like that, Crystal? Yeah, well, I think, you know, because Red Cloud has made um, very public, you know, declaration that it was leading this truth and reconciliation and healing initiative, right? Um, and, you know, they've, they've made it known publicly. Uh, and so I think because of that, because they've announced that they're essentially investigating themselves, I think that's what made them a lightning rod in the community. Um, because they're actively doing it. I'm not, I I don't recall that we ever heard that there was an investigation of the other school going on, right? So I think that's why it drew okay. so much attention. All right, and we're going to have to go to break right now, Crystal, but we'll be right back. Support from the Self-Governance, Communication, and Education Tribal Consortium presenting the 2023 Tribal Self-Governance Conference at the River Spirit Resort in Tulsa, Oklahoma, June 26th to the 29th. Learn how tribes are using self-governance for the delivery of programs and services for their citizens and communities, and how this authority improves the health and well-being of tribal communities. Registration closes June 23rd at tribalselfgov.org. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking with the hosts of the American Genocide Podcast. It's a podcast about boarding school reconciliation and how different sides of a Native community want to see it unfold. You can join our conversation at 1-800-996-2848. Have you listened to the podcast? Tell us what you think. Our number, 1-800-99-NATIVE. On the line now, we have Crystal Echo Hawk and Lachey Wesley. They're both co-hosts of the podcast. And Crystal, before break, sorry, we had to take a quick break there, but uh, you were responding to the issue there at Red Cloud with regard to another school there at Pine Ridge, as well as just other boarding schools across the country. And, and what really came across loud and clear here with your podcast is that there is a credibility issue there at the Red Cloud School, and that's why you and Lachey chose to focus your attention there. Can you talk a little bit more about that credibility issue and what's at stake? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think, you know, at the heart of it is can can an entity that is accused of harm, right, also investigate itself and be sort of the facilitator of truth, reconciliation and healing, right? And when people look at the Catholic Church, right, and everything, when we when we think about religious institutions and all of the harm that they have caused across Indian country from since, you know, throughout colonization and in this boarding school period. Um, it's 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 really egregious, right? And we and we're only you know know the tip of the iceberg in terms of some of the harm caused by these institutions. But I think people also look at 
the Catholic Church's track record with regard to the priests and pedophile scandals, right? And there's been a hard time, you know, with them being accountable and in truth, right? So I think people are pointing to the church's track record, right? Um, and I think people overall looking at the United States government, I still, you know, I think people are so happy that Secretary Hahn has, you know, initiated this and is leading it on, and she has the utmost credibility, right? So I think people really trust her. Um, I think people are still obviously wary of, of the United States government. But again, when we come back to a school like this, that is, is funded and led by the Catholic Church, people really don't have a lot of trust where the church is concerned, and understandably so. And I think a lot of what we heard is, you know, again, the community saying they shouldn't be leading this investigation of themselves. This should be third parties. These reports should be shared out across the community. Um, and, and there was a lot of concern around that. All right. I'd like to pivot back to Lachey now and talk a little bit more about this credibility issue school, this credibility issue, excuse me, at the Red Cloud School. And Lachey, obviously the, the Red Cloud School, uh, you know, welcomed this person who came in and, and did the ground penetrating radar, who everybody agreed was a, a really good person to do that. Everybody trusted that person. Uh, I'm just curious for people that are going to listen to this podcast uh, are you, how do you, what do you think? Will they listen to this six part series here and go away feeling that in any way that the Red Cloud School has, has restored that credibility? Do you think they will be satisfied with how the Red Cloud School has responded to these insinuations or accusations? And with regard to this, uh, this study, this ground penetrating radar and the subsequent, uh, investigation that occurred as part of that, do you think listeners will be satisfied? You know, I think I'm I'm really curious to see what what uh, listeners are going to think and if they are going to be satisfied with with how um, Red Cloud Indian School has, has gone about this initiative, and especially gone about the the um, ground penetrating radar survey. You know, I think ahead of that survey and after, directly before we had the results, a lot of people just had questions as to as to their motives, whether or not they were going to be transparent or not. So I think. Only time will tell after, you know, we, the six episode airs, if, you know, people are going to be satisfied with ultimately what those results are. I'll tell you, you folks are really keeping us on edge here with this six episode, but Alicia, I want to ask you, I mean, at this point, what else could the school do beyond what they've done so far to establish this credibility? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the overwhelmingly, you know, what we heard from people is, is they really want to see complete transparency. Um, and that means, you know, opening it, opening up, you know, the, the survey results, of course, for people to read, but then also like a lot of people have questions about like the archives and how that information is being gathered, how accessible that information is going to be. So I think ultimately it always comes down to transparency and whether or not that the school is going to, you know, have enough of that transparency enough is up to individual community members. I mean, really, truly what we have seen throughout, you know, this, this podcast and working on this story and interviewing multiple people is people really, really have different opinions. And, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see if, if people are ultimately satisfied with with the uh, Red Cloud Indian Schools Truth and Healing Initiative. 
Indeed, they will. And anyone listening, we still have plenty of time here for a call, especially anybody from Pine Ridge who is in any way affiliated with the Red Cloud School. Again, we'd really like to hear some perspectives, more perspectives from up there in Pine Ridge. Our number, 1-800-99-NATIVE. Again, the number, 1-800-99-NATIVE. We got open phone lines. Just give us a call. We'll get your comments on the air. Lachey, I'm thinking about all these other boarding schools uh, around the country, similar issues, graves, cemeteries, abuse. What do you hope that other boarding schools or other communities will gain from listening to this podcast and hearing this story about what has unfolded up there at Pine Ridge? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, you know, Red Cloud Indian School is kind of carving out, you know, the space of of doing this. Uh, truth and healing work. So on that end, it's interesting to take a look at how a former boarding school that's still run by a Catholic institution is kind of embarking on this work. But it's also, I think, important for communities to see, you know, how the Pine Ridge community specifically responds to this. And specifically, like how it kind of puts, you know, the leaders of those schools, of those like initiatives, um, in a difficult position. So I think that there's a lot of work, you know, a lot that communities can learn from Red Cloud Indian School from, you know, doing this whole initiative, you know, but I think my hope is, you know, that we start to see things like this throughout the community. I don't think that there's kind of a one size, you know, fits all kind of um, template for how communities do this work. But I do hope, you know, if communities are able to, that they start to do this work. I know that it is incredibly labor intensive. You know, it is incredibly expensive to hire somebody to go through the archives, to do this kind of ground penetrating radar uh, surveys, to do kind of the research that entails and gathering testimony from, you know, former boarding school survivors. But I think ultimately we're going to start seeing that we're certainly going to see need to see like financial support you know these communities are going to need that to make that to make sure that this work happens so i hope that you know um foundations um you know religious institutions the federal government i hope that we start to see them kind of make investments so that we can see other schools start to embark on this work thanks lachey back to crystal and Lachey makes such a good point that uh, this is such important work, but it's it's resource heavy. It really requires a lot. And in this situation, the resources were there to to tell this story and to put together all the pieces. And Crystal, do you want to share any of the partners that you folks have worked with to make this podcast series possible? Because again, I'm just concerned about other communities with similar questions, with similar issues, but they just don't have the resources to dig the way that you folks were able to do there at Pine Ridge. Well, actually, Sean, we have some breaking news uh, that I would love to be able to share with you and all your listeners today. All right. We've been thinking a lot, to your point, about how our communities need to be resourced to do this work, right? We've, we've, Lachey and I've learned so much over the last year plus. So we, Illuminative has decided to partner with um, Decolonizing Wealth to launch a National Truth and Healing Fund. Um, and what that fund will do is to really, you know, where grants and native-led organizations are, you know, tribes and, and native-led organizations will be able to apply for grants to support their work 
in their community to get at the truth, right? Of how boarding schools, you know, impacted their communities, you know, in different facets of research, whether, you know, to Liz Shea's point, hiring somebody to really do that archival research to grants that could support someone like a Marsha Small coming in and doing ground penetrating radar in a community, but also, you know, funds will support, you know, the element of not only truth, but also justice. So that kind of organizing that advocacy, whether that's trying to, you know, achieve justice by, you know, through um, the churches or, you know, the government, whatever that might look like for a community. And the third bucket will also really support is one of the most important of all, which is the healing work, right? Which could be everything from taking care of people's mental health, because this is, this is multi-generational trauma that we're talking about that's impacted our communities. And it's going to be really hard for our communities to go through this process, but also language and cultural revitalization, all of the things that these schools tried to take away from us as Native peoples, you know, our healing is really to rebuild our cultural and spiritual life ways to really achieve that healing. So this grant fund will be established. We're going to have more information about it. We're launching it this week um, and people can find more information about it and the podcast at illuminative.org backslash American Genocide Podcast. And again, you know, Illuminative will be helping to seed this fund as well decolonizing wealth who will be managing the fund and we'll have uh, more information about when people might be able to apply for resources. Super exciting, Crystal. Breaking news here on Native America Calling. Appreciate that you shared this here on our show today. I do want to ask uh, any regard to, to who might be eligible. Will this be for individuals or tribes or nonprofits? Any thought as to who will be eligible for the grants? Yes, it will be tribes and um, nonprofit organizations, Native-led nonprofit organizations that will be eligible. Got it. We do have a, another question from a listener. They didn't want to come on the air, but they did have a question regarding what transparency should look like and also questions about making documents public. So I, I want to ask you, Crystal, because you mentioned transparency earlier as well. And tell us a little bit more. What does that look like? What, what should transparency look like with regard to schools like Red Cloud? Well, I think first and foremost, schools like Red Cloud, right, and the and the religious institutions that ran them need to turn over all the documentation um, and make that publicly available um, and, and not make it, you know, difficult for Native um, communities, you know, to be able to access that information. So I think first and foremost, that is one of the biggest things that institutions like the church have to do. Um, and I think through every step of the way, they need to be transparent in terms of any level of documentation. Um, being turned over. You know, I think one thing that was really interesting that Marsha shared with us because she's been kind of contracted by other communities to do ground penetrating radar. And when she's been contracted, you know, whether it's by institutions, but oftentimes tribes, sometimes, you know, it's obviously at the discretion of a tribal community whether or not they want to make those results public. And I think that's really a matter for the community. Um, and I think some tribes are, are wanting to go public and others are wanting to keep it private for, for their own reasons. So I think, you know, as Lachey said, there's not one size that fits all, right, for every community about how they're wanting to deal with their the issues of what these what these schools did to our people or to, the, you know, the missing and, and stolen children. I think that's going to be up to every tribal community about why they how they want to handle that. But I think it is important to find that that balance between privacy and, and respect and dignity, you know, for those that have been passed and harmed by this, but also to balance that with transparency so the community um, has an opportunity to really understand and, and be a part of, of holding, you know, the United States government and these religious institutions accountable. 
I want to go back to Lachey here before we wrap up the show. And I want to share just how impressed I was by the production value of the American Genocide podcast, the, the interviews, the music. It was just, it was top notch in both both of you, Lachey and Crystal, you're both just such wonderful speakers. You're really engaging. And Lachey, I, I want to ask you with regard to, to this format that you chose to tell this story, the podcast, what do you hope or, or what do you think you, you accomplished by doing this as a podcast as opposed to writing this up as a magazine article or making it a TV newscast? What made the podcast special? Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy that you said that because we worked with some truly incredible people who put together the music to really make it that beautifully designed podcast that you talked about. So thank you so much. Um, you know, I think podcasts and just the ability to hear people's voices, it is such an authentic uh, storytelling medium. And I think as, you know, native storytellers, the, uh, you know, this is a natural way for us to tell the story. Um, but obviously podcasts are, become so so popular and I think that's that's a re there's a reason behind that and I think it's because it is such an intimate style of storytelling because you can just listen to somebody's voice and I think that you're able to kind of just paint a picture in your head of, of kind of what is happening um, but also you know we're able to include some incredible native musicians into this um, so I think all of that kind of um, helped to make this, you know, a podcast that kind of that, that oral story, storytelling uh, tradition um, kind of be a, be a vehicle for this one. And Crystal, any thoughts as to a follow-up for uh, this first series of six episodes on American Genocide? Yes, I think we're interested, you know, one on the feedback from the audience, but, you know, maybe this is then looking at an opportunity to turn this into, you know, something for TV or film in terms of a documentary, or, you know, maybe there's going to be another community that, you know, comes, comes forward that, you know, we'll, we'll want to follow. I think we're, we're really open, but I think, you know, I just want people to understand that the biggest reason we did this was to make sure that everyone understands the boarding school history, right? And that this wasn't something that just happened a long time ago. It's still impacting our communities today. And it takes all of us, all of us in Indian country and also non-native people to really rally together, stand shoulder to shoulder and demand action, to demand that we have the opportunity for the truth to come out, to have justice and healing for our people. And that's what we're hoping to do with the podcast is really call people into the circle and let's find a way to take action. Let's find a way to get at the truth and to also have healing. Well, folks, we are going to have to wrap it up now. Crystal, thank you again for joining us. And Lachey, thank you as well, both co-hosts of the American Genocide Podcast. Join us again tomorrow as we take a look back at the Treaty of New Echota, one of the key documents that set up the Trail of Tears. Until then, I'm Sean Spruce. Thank you for listening. Are you the digital media specialist that Vision Maker Media is looking for? The digital media specialist implements Vision Maker Media's public relations strategies and deploys successful digital media campaigns that align with Vision Maker Media's mission and vision. Information on required qualifications and how to apply at visionmakermedia.org. Vision Maker Media supports this show. Support by Amerind, 
Indian Country's 100% tribally owned insurance partner. Amarant works with tribal governments and their business enterprises to provide effective commercial insurance coverage, strengthen Native American communities, protect tribal sovereignty, and help keep dollars in Indian Country. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto solutions at amerind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanic Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.